everyone, and thank you for joining me on the very first primetime edition of Next on the T. I'm your host, Chris Mascaro, and tonight is our very first episode in our new Tuesday night time slot. So we're very excited to be joining you earlier in the week from our previous Saturday morning time slot. Now we can start looking ahead to the tournaments coming up each week versus, you know, kind of being right in the middle of them on Saturday mornings. I know my wife is excited that I won't be disturbing her on Saturday mornings anymore. My son excited that we might actually get to play around the golf before 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. So it's a a win-win-win for the Mascaro family, and I hope uh, you'll enjoy, you know, our tournament previews and uh, the insights from our guests now from our Tuesday night time slot. So uh, hopefully it's a win for our audience as well. And tonight I'm very excited to share two great guests with you uh, on our first primetime episode. And first up tonight, I'm going to get a visit from Scott Lehman. And Scott is a United States Golf Teachers Federation teaching professional who has a fascinating life story. We'll talk about how he went from being a surf apparel salesman to a golf teaching professional. We'll also talk about, you know, how he founded In His Grip Golf and, you know, the events that led him down that path to to finding that great organization or founding that great organization. Plus, we might actually get a playing lesson or two out of Scott as well. He'll join me here in just a few minutes. Following Scott, I'll get a return visit from a guy who's become one of my favorite guests here on Next on the Tee, and that's former PGA Tour pro Donnie Hammond. We'll look back to the Open Championship and get his reaction uh, you know, to what we saw from Jordan Spieth a couple of weeks ago. Plus, we'll get Donnie's perspective on this week's PGA Championship. Donnie played in nine PGAs and had a couple of top 20 finishes, so we'll get his memories from those events. We'll also get his thoughts on you know, where the PGA Championship ranks amongst, amongst the four majors in the minds of the players out on tour. I think you know, if we all sat back and, and probably ranked the four majors, I think in some order... We would have the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championships, and you know somewhere you know it ranked in one, two, three, and I think the majority of us would put the PGA Championship fourth amongst those. But do the players do that? Because remember, this is the player, you know, the PGA Championship. It is for you know the 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 players, right? They they put on this event essentially. So how do they feel about it? Where does it rank for them? We'll get Donnie's thoughts on that and a whole lot more a little bit later on in this half hour when he joins me. So we've got a lot of great stories and information coming your way on this edition of Next on the Tee. I'm so glad that you're here to take the journey with me over the next hour or so. Next on the Tee, you know we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about the great things they have going on up there. Play the courses the champions play. The Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses at French Lick Resort. The 2017 NCGOA National Course of the Year Our Pete Dye course hosts the first-ever Senior LPGA Championship presented by Old National Bank this July. French Lick's Donald Ross course is looking good as it turns 100 this summer and hosts the Donald Ross Centennial Classic Symmetra Tour event. Book your golf vacation now at FrenchLick.com. Yeah, be sure to go to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself how great a place the French Lick Resort is and to book your stay as well. I also want to welcome our newest sponsor, Kinetic Sports, makers of Club Hub Sensors. And, you know, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool that you're going to find anywhere in golf. If you're like me, you want to know all the data related to your swing. Your swing speed, the distance you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, the angle of attack, and so much more. Then Club Hub Sensors are what you really need. And guess what? You can get all that data for every shot, whether you're out on the golf course or on the range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of courses preloaded and mapped out for you. So not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your target and to the hazards out there, right? But you'll also be able to look back and see exactly where and how far you hit each shot. Think of what that could do for you for your preparation, you know, to go play that same course the next time. The app will also track the average distance you hit each club in your bag. No more guessing or approximating. Are you ready to improve your game? Are you ready to take what you know about your swing to a new level? You know, whether you're out on the range or out on the golf course, Club Hub will get you there. So what they see what they can do for you at clubhubgolf.com and use the promo code NEXT, N-E-X-T, NEXT, to get 10% off on all of the products. Go to clubhubgolf.com. It's a great company, and they're great new sponsors, and we're so proud to have them with us. 
Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Company. Folks, we're, we're right in the middle of summer here, right? Is your wardrobe ready? The folks at Bobby Jones are, and they can help you find the perfect way to liven up your wardrobe for summer. From polo shorts to tech shorts and pants to belts, you name it. Everything you need to feel great and look great, either in the office, out on the town, or out on the golf course. Go to bobbyjones.com to see their new summer line. Plus, while you're in a Bobby Jones frame of mind, go to bobbyjonesclubs.com to see their great line of drivers, fairway woods, and hybrids designed by one of the game's most influential equipment designers, Jesse Ortiz. Like his father, Lou, and Bobby Jones himself, Jesse has a passion for golf and golf club design. You remember his great tri-metal fairway woods from his days back at Olimar. Well, now he's putting his creativity and his innovative designs to work, creating great golf equipment for the Bobby Jones Company. Check them out online by going to bobbyjonesclubs.com. Also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Callaway Golf. Callaway has been the fastest-growing golf ball brand since 2013, and the Chrome Soft Golf Ball is a major reason why. Chrome Soft is extremely fast, incredibly soft, and unbelievably easy to control, which is why guys like Phil Mickelson, Patrick Reed, and Jim Furyk have all changed over to the Chrome Soft. You've got to be willing to change to get better, and Chrome Soft and the new Chrome Soft X are in stores now. See what they can do for you at CallawayGolf.com. Chrome Soft, it's the ball that changed the ball. And if you were with us, you know, a couple of months ago, you heard about the great things that our good friend Russ Holden and the folks over at Caddy for a Cure are doing. I believe so heavily in what Russ and his team are doing that we are proud to be partnering uh, with them now. And one of the most unique opportunities in the world of professional golf is available to you through Caddy for a Cure. Spend the day inside the ropes with one of the world's best players as their caddy. It's a fantastic way to have the time of your life while supporting our wounded service members and a terrible disease, Fanconi anemia. You'll be walking side by side with your tour player, experiencing professional golf as an insider. In addition to the amazing experience, you'll receive a fantastic gift package from Caddy for a Cure, including Under Armour logo apparel, an eyewear package, a tour grade caddy bib suitable for autographs and framing, a tin cup ball marker gift, chef's, chef's cut, you know, real jerky, and a professional photograph of your day. So please go to caddyforacure.com to learn about this amazing opportunity and what a wonderful organization that those folks have. All right, now joining me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Scott Lehman. Let me give you a little more background on Scott. He started out his career in the sports apparel industry, working for a surfing company in San Diego, went back to school in 1998 and became certified by the United States Golf Teachers Federation to be a teaching professional. He has written or co-authored a couple of books, including The Golfer's Bible and More Than a Game, Finding Life's Answers Through Golf. He's now the founder and president of In His Grip Golf, and I'm very thrilled to have Scott with me here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Scott, thanks for your time tonight. Thanks for coming on the show. Good evening, Chris. Hey, it's a privilege. Excited to spend the time with you tonight. So, Scott, I kind of want to jump right into it because, like I mentioned at the top of the show, you've you've had an amazing life. You've had a lot of twists and turns, you know, through the course of your life. Let's start with first how you went from a surf apparel company to going back, deciding to go back to school and learning to become a golf teaching professional. What led to that decision? Well, Chris, I'd have to take you back to the 97 Masters. That was the first year that I got four tickets uh, to attend, and it was at the top of my bucket list, like it'd probably be for many of your listeners tonight. So I took three guys from my wedding party, and if you remember 97, there's a young kid that came onto the tour about that time, and there was this buzz that went through the fairways, the greens of Augusta National, and Man, when we watched this young 21-year-old hit a golf ball, which I've seen, I was 36 years old at the time, I've seen many golf balls hit, I've heard many golf balls hit, that sound that came off his driver, Chris, was like a cannon going off. And we were just amazed to watch him. And if, if you remember, in 97, your listeners, uh, who won? That same young 21-year-old, Tiger, not even won by one or two strokes, he actually won by 12 that year. Right. So I go home and uh, walk in the front door of Cedar Rapids, Iowa, to my home, and my wife of two years was there waiting for me. And, Chris, I'll just get right to it of what happened, because I go from a mountaintop experience to the depth of the valley when my wife of two years said, Scott, I'm out of this marriage. I'm gone. So talk about a reality check. See, the company I was repping for sports apparel-wise 
got bought out a few months earlier. And so my job was eliminated and I had no purpose. I had no meaning because I put everything of my identity in that job. And so I'm aimless, aimlessly really kind of strolling through life for six months. And my wife was just asking me, how are we doing financially? And I kept saying, we're good. We're good. You just take care of the house. I'll take care of the finances. And it was that same month that I came across a little book called In His Grip. So it's 20 years now that it was published. And the guy that did the forward to it was Tom Lehman. And in 96, a year earlier, he was player of the year. No relation. Tom's from Minnesota. I'm from Wisconsin. But that little book about golf and about life from a faith perspective was a game changer for me. And that in his grip message, simple, three words, became etched onto the tablet of my heart. And that's when I really made the turn and made a major change in my life. And I went back to school to become a certified teaching pro. So what led to that decision? I, I, I get, you know, you know, certainly, you know, everything that, you know, the turmoil in your life. What, what said to you, you know what, I, I need to, I need to get into the game of golf. You know, was it, was it the masters and the experience and, and what you saw there that, you know, really inspired you? Or what was it that said, you know what, golf is going to be my vehicle now? Yeah, I started playing on, in 1969 on April 12th, my eighth birthday. You know, my dad brought home a, a Northwestern seven iron and three Wilson K-28 golf balls. And I, I really just got, you know, engaged in the game, played amateur events. But, you know, that same wife that said I was out of this marriage spoke into my heart of hearts when she said, Scott, you really should be in the golf industry. She said, you're good at the game. You're an encourager. You're patient. You keep giving your guys, all your friends, lessons. You know, what have you got paid for those lessons? And so we opened up the Quad City Golf Academy back in 1998. And it was really, you know, if there's any, if there's one listener tonight that maybe is approaching that age 40 like I was, and maybe they, you know, achieved a lot of success. And you're kind of looking at maybe there's more. And I would just want to encourage that one listener that if you could do anything, and that's really what my wife asked me at that time, you could be in any industry, what would it be? And it was immediately golf. And so I pursued a teaching, uh, you know, uh, certification, certification through USGTF, opened up the Quad City Golf Academy and started giving lessons. But I always wore something in his grip on my shirt, on my hat. And I was able to talk to guys about life because if you help any golfer with their golf game, guess what? You've got him for life. Because <laughs> we all want to improve. You know, I still want to improve on my game at age 56. And, you know, you can always get better in this game. But that was really the turning point of just stopping and saying, what do I want to do for the rest of my life? And I was able to combine both of my passions for golf and really for God. And that's the catalyst of how Innescript got started. So from there, right, you, you talk about you, you saw a book. It, it said In His Grip. Now it's become, you know, the, the, you know, the main focal point of everything that you do, right? You talk about wearing it on your shirt, you know, I certainly, you know, and doing the research for you coming on the show, I, you know, you see it in hats and you got tournaments and all of those sorts of things. But in his grip existed, how did you go about, you know, whether it was, you know, licensing that, you know, that phrase mm -hmm. and then, you know, yeah. turning that into, into your business? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we did do uh, a license agreement, you know, to use the name that was trademarked, you know, by the authors of the book for eight years. And it really was from my pastor. Uh, pastor John challenged me to do something, you know, through the church with my passion and, and gifts and abilities. And I said, well, can I host an in-history golf tournament for the church? So in 1998, at Glens Creek Golf Course in in Davenport, Iowa, we had our first Innisgrip golf tournament. And we had 104 guys show up. And something that's different in our events is we really, at the banquet and awards ceremony, we share a real story from a man that is maybe not been in his grip through the years, but had a catalytic event like I did. And I just shared my story with these guys. And boy, Chris, it was so humbling to watch how God used that story uh, that four other men raised their hand in that day and, and said, man, I really need to be in his grip also. And so that's really what started. We started to do tournaments. We started to do retreats, leagues, 
small group studies on life that we just called In His Grip. And 10 years ago, we moved from the Quad Cities here to Nashville, Tennessee, to really base the ministry in the southeast, where there's a little bit more, maybe more churches, more golf courses that can intersect. So it was kind of a strategic decision that we made to do that. So, Scott, you know, when you look at, you know, the phrase in his grip and, and, and the religious ties that, you know, that, that the connotations that that has and, and, the, and the impact that God has had on your life, did you know or did you su- suspect that there were other people out there struggling in a similar position that you found yourself in and you, you and your wife found, you know, yourselves in that, you know, through through golf, that was going to be a an avenue. You talked about how a minute ago, you know, once you once you reach a guy through golf, you've got him for life. It was was that mm-hmm. sort of an impetus to know that if I, I can use golf as a vehicle to reach more people that are probably struggling in, with the same types of situations that I am. And in golf, you know, we all know we go out on the golf course, we open up a little bit more, we feel a little bit better when we're out there, and it, it's kind of a freeing experience. Was that was that sort of right. impetus that got you to do this? It was kind of a journey, to be honest with you, Chris, that I was challenged, but, you know, by my pastor also to just share your story, you know, and be transparent in it. You know, when I when I shared the struggle in the marriage, I was in deep financial debt. And again, tonight I'll be transparent with your listeners that I, I opened up a separate PO box. So our financial statements would go there instead of to our home in case I wasn't there to get the mail and my wife would open up and see all these credit cards that were just maxed out because I was trying to live like I was living when I had that big sports apparel job. You know, it was just my identity. Accumulated all that debt and that was part of our story. But boy, this last May, my wife and I, that same wife, you know, her and I celebrated 22 years of marriage. And as God got hold of my heart, also got hold of my wife's heart, you know, we had a lot of uh, healing that needed to be done, but uh, we serve a big God and, and he can do great things. And so just taking a step by step, after eight years of doing In His Grip in our church, I got the, uh never get a nudge from God of maybe asking you to start a radio show or, or start to do something that looks maybe a little bit too big to, to even, you know, comprehend. Well, he challenged me to take in his grip uh, outside of just our own church. So, Chris, I'll fast forward to you. The last 10 years, we've had 216 in his grip tournaments. Over wow. 18,000 men have played in it, and 726 men have raised their hand to say, I also need to live in his grip. And and I'm humbled to even say that, but I just know that we serve a big God and it's just been a journey. You know, I love helping golf guys with their golf game, but man, when you can help one man and and that's what we did this for, if one guy was impacted like I was, it'd be so worth it. And, And God is now just, he's reaching the multitudes through this great game of golf within his grip. And Scott, um, I had the privilege of having Dr. Bob Jones the fourth, Bobby Jones's grandson, mm. on with me on the show a couple of weeks ago, and and uh, you spent some time with him as well on on your TV show. It was a, a wonderful episode, and I highly recommend it. people can find it out on YouTube by searching under mm. your name, Scott Lehman. But it's it was a moving episode, and uh, I, I just wondered if you would mind sharing, you know, your your experience spending some time with Doc. Yeah, I reached out to Dr. Bob uh, on Facebook, and, you know, we connected as friends, and I'm also a Bobby Jones ambassador. So when you're sharing with your, one of your sponsors, I was just smiling because when you see most of my photos, you know, I'm wearing Bobby Jones pullovers or polos, and, and I mean, I just love the heart of, of Bobby Jones and, and the brand. You know, I'm a, I'm a huge, huge advocate. And so when I reached out to him, I said, would you consider doing a story on your grandfather from a faith perspective? And he said, I'd love to. So when I came and met him at the Atlanta, you know, athletic club, just, you know, in Atlanta, when we were driving to do the segment, my producer said, Scott, what if we ask Dr. Jones his story and then go into his grandfather's story? And Chris, when we pulled into the parking lot at 6 a.m., you know, and Dr. Jones pulled in, gets out of his car, big smile, as you know, he's so friendly, so personable. 
And he goes, Scott, you know, looking forward to today. And I said, Dr. Bob, great to see you. Would you mind if we actually get your story this morning and then maybe talk about your grandfather? And tears just welled up in his eyes. He said that he'd been waiting 60 years to tell his own story. And it's really deeply embedded with a faith, you know, DNA that, that is, as you see on the show, it's, it's really just our um, In His Grip TV on YouTube where you can see the full episode. It, it moved me to my heart level. And I was humbled that we could show the fairways together to get that story. Yeah, it was a it was a it was a wonderful story, w- really well done. So kudos to you guys uh, for doing that, and uh, and Doc's fantastic. I look forward to getting him back on the show again real soon. Yeah, he's a great man. And Scott, you know there are guys out on tour. You mentioned Tom Lehman. You know there are a lot of guys out on tour that have a strong faith that get together. You know for ministries. Ben Crane's another guy. Our good friend Paul Stankowski also comes mm, to mind. Mm-hmm. You, do you interact with players out on out on the PGA or LPGA tours with their ministries? You know, uh, Paul Stankowski is a, is a great friend, you know, great brother in faith. And, you know, I, I, this is a way we can probably tee up the opportunity. Um, a lot of your listeners will know of Zach Johnson, who also, you know, he's born and raised in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, where, where kind of all things collapsed for me back in 1997, 98. And he is very, very strong in his faith. And, and in fact, uh, I even had the opportunity to caddy for him on four different occasions in pro-ams. And so he's one that I really, I would say, kind of connect more at the heart level on an ongoing basis. But Stuart Sink, you know, Ben Crane, Bubba Watson, and, you know, Webb Simpson. I mean, there's a lot of great guys but Zach's one that I've really gone on a personal level with. Scott, you know, you've talked about, you know, a lot of the things, you know, through uh, in his grip, but you've also, you know, written or co-written some books. Talk about the books that you have out there. Like I, I was looking at the golfer's Bible because it's exactly what the title would suggest. It's, it's a Bible with a little bit of golf mixed into it. And your, your other book, more than a game, finding life's answers, through golf. Talk about, you know, the lessons, the life lessons that, that uh, we can get by looking through both of those books. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I probably should clarify that I really didn't author uh, the golfer's Bible. I think there's only one author of that, that, uh, you know, if God can put a Bible together, but they, they were able to call us contributors where we contributed the golf lessons, you know, that are tipped inside of the golfer's Bible. And so that was really a fun project where we're just, you know, some golf tips, life tips from a faith perspective. And then that really spawned the book more than a game. Because for the last 20 years, my heart still today is to pour into the next generation. So I love walking with the 20-year-olds, the 30-year-olds. You know, Lord allows me to do life with uh, three of the Tennessee Titans here in Nashville. You know, Brett Kern, the punter, and Ryan Suckup, the kicker, and then their long snapper, Bo Brinkley, all huge golfers, big part of Innis Grip. And that book is really nine chapters of what I've been sharing with these guys. And it basically, you know, one of my favorite chapters is, you know, who's on your team? Because if you look at three guys that you play golf with and maybe three of your friends, in 10 years, I pretty much can tell where they're going to be in life, even looking at their marriages, looking at how they handle finances, because we actually conform the guys that we hang with good or bad. So I, I would encourage, and when I say this, you know, that's something I need to be <laughs> reminded of too, is, is choose who you do life with. You know, who do you want to be like? Who do you hope to aspire to? And, and just spend time with those type of guys. It's one of the, my favorite chapters, you know, and, and then find a coach, you know, find a mentor, somebody that can walk with you that maybe has a little bit more experience. Uh, my mentor is 87 years old. <laughs> His name is Jack Countryman. Man, I love being on the course with him, love doing life with him. And you just learn, you know, from others' uh, experiences, mistakes, successes. And um, so that's really kind of a core part of the book is um, doing life with other guys. Scott, a couple more before we let you go. But, you know, can't sure. have you on a golf show without, you know, tapping into, you know, your teaching and, and uh, getting a tip or two. So for 
for our listeners that are going to be going out to the golf course later this week or this weekend, what's a what's a swing thought that you know that we can use something simple that you know might help us you know shave a a stroke or two off our scores? Yeah, absolutely. I've had the same swing thought uh, for over twenty years now, and I don't know if any of your listeners can relate to getting a little bit fast out on the golf course, a little quick, maybe not good tempo or good rhythm. And so mine is very, very simple. You know, when I'm set up over the ball, I just say slow and smooth. So slow is my backswing, and I put an and for that transition at the top of the swing, and then smooth. If I keep it slow and smooth throughout my swing, whether I'm hitting a wedge, a driver, seven iron, even my putting stroke, it's all slow and smooth. And I'm just telling you, it's for my 47 years of playing golf, when I keep that consistent, that's where my scores are the lowest. And if I get out of that, get a little quick, a little fast, try to hit the ball a little harder, uh, I get out of sync and out of tempo, out of rhythm. So slow and smooth, it's worked well for me. And, Scott, we talk an awful lot about the mental side of the game here on this show. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we all, we all are going to face adversity out on the golf course or in the course of a round, we're going to make a bad swing. We're going to have a bad hole or we, it just might not be our day that day. And golf can be an awfully frustrating game for, you know, everyone who plays it. We may play sure. really well one day. We go out on Saturday and have the round of our lives and we can come back on Sunday. And it's like, we, we never swung a club before for those instances. How, you know, what, what's a mental thought or something that we can, so that we don't, you know, completely, you know, get sideways and, and, you know, just mm-hmm. start, you know, going down a very bad mental path. Is there something that you do to kind of ground yourself, come back, relax? It was just one bad swing. It was just one bad hole and move forward from there. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it got grounded deeply. This will help every one of your listeners that play plays golf or faces that frustration. So when I caddied for Zach Johnson, his caddy, Damon Green, would walk with us, and he would give him the yardages. I would pull the club and just kind of stay out of the way, you know, as a, hopefully a good caddy in a pro-am would do. But when Zach, you know, hit a four iron right of the green, you know, into the bunker, you know, he, started, he was frustrated. And Damon right away said, Zach, bag up. And I'm walking down the fairway, so what does bag up mean? Well, if Zach hits a bad shot, the bag, at that point, they cannot visit that shot anymore. He is mentally has to erase the shot, put it behind him, and start focusing on the next shot. And I think that little phrase, bag up, is so critical for all of us that once that shot's hit, man, it's behind us. Let's start focusing in on the shot that's ahead of us. And boy, what are what an analogy for life. We all are going to hit bad shots in life, but if we just bag up, kind of put it behind us, and move forward, that's where we're going to see success in front of us. Yeah, that's tremendous. I love that. I wrote that down. I'll be using that. Thank you for sharing that. That's fantastic. Absolutely. Scott, before we let you go, let our listeners know for the folks that you know, want more information, how can they you know, find out more information about you know your organization in his grip and you know continue to follow mm-hmm. you uh, whether it's online or over social media? Yeah, absolutely. I love you know I'm a I, I'm a social guy, so I love connecting on Twitter. You know, in his grip golf. Uh, you can also see me on you know Instagram under Scott Layman on Facebook. Scott Lehman or In His Grip Golf. And our website is inhisgripgolf.com. And we're going to, in September 1st, launch this whole new website that's interactive, golf tips, life tips. All of our events will be listed on there. So, you know, any of those vehicles, uh, LinkedIn is also, if you, you've got some business guys that are listening, uh, Scott Lehman at LinkedIn, you can just search me. And uh, love to connect, love to get direct, direct messages. You know, social media is phenomenal, and and I love to engage in it. So I look forward to connecting with some of your listeners. That's fantastic. Scott, thank you so much for your time, you know, tonight being a part of the show. It was great having you here. I hope you'll come back and join me again sometime, share more of your insights and your stories because you've been fantastic. Appreciate it, Chris. Have a great night. All right. Take care, Scott. All the best to you and your family. Okay.
That is Scott Lehman, and he spells his last name L-E-H-M-A-N. So Scott Lehman, and it's In His Grip Golf. Fantastic stuff, folks. And I, and I can't encourage you enough to go out on YouTube and search for you know his uh, YouTube channel and take a look at uh, the interview that he did with uh, Dr. Uh, Bob Jones, the fourth doc. It was, uh, it was an absolutely tremendous interview and walk around uh, the golf course that they did together. It, uh, it's a very moving uh, story that Doc shares, and uh, it's a great interview that uh, that Scott did. So it's a it's a wonderful uh, you know time. So uh, I can't tell you how long it was, but uh, the time flew by, and it, uh, it it is like like Scott mentioned, it's an interview that's going to touch your heart. It was absolutely fantastic. All right, before I get to my next guest, Donnie Hammond, I want to remind you about our friends over at SyncIt.com. You know how we like to keep things on the positive side here on Next on the Tee and have a positive approach both in life and out on the golf course. Well, we're excited to be partnering with the folks at SyncIt.com. So keep putting that positive thought of sinking the putt in your mind with their great line of T-shirts and hats. To win any golf tournament, you got to sink the final putt. We wake up every day to finish strong, sink the putt, close the deal, work hard, get better each and every day. Have the confidence to push forward towards your dreams with unwavering passion, and you're going to sink it in life. Check them out online at sinkit.com. And also, again, I want to you know, welcome our newest sponsor, Kinetic Sports, makers of Club Hub Sensors, the most comprehensive swing analysis and shot tracking tool in golf. If you're like me, you want to know all the data, right? We want to know all the data with our swings. That's all the rage nowadays. Your swing speed, the distance you hit every club in your bag, your swing tempo, the angle of attack, and so much more. Then club hub sensors are exactly what you need. And guess what? You can get all that data for every shot, whether you're on the golf course or on the practice range. Plus, their iPhone and Android apps have thousands of golf courses preloaded and mapped out for you. So not only will you be able to get GPS distances to your targets and to the hazards out there, but you'll be able to look back and see exactly where and how far you hit every shot that day. Think of what that can do for you for your preparation the next time you're going to go play that same golf course. The app will track, you know, average distance you hit each club. No more guessing or approximating. If you're ready to improve your game and you're ready to go to the next level, you know, whether it's on the course or on the range, then Club Hub was going to get you there. See what they can do for you at clubhubgolf.com and use the promo code NEXT, N-E-X-T, to get 10% off on all their products. That's clubhubgolf.com. We also want to give a word and a shout out to our good friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGASuperstore.com. Now, back to you, Chris. And now back in making his fifth appearance with me on the French Lick Resort guest line is Donnie Hammond. Let me remind you about Donnie's background. He was born in Frederick, uh, Maryland, which is in the northern part of Maryland near the Virginia and West Virginia lines. Played his college golf at Jacksonville University, where he was a four-year letterman. As a sophomore, he finished seventh in the 1977 Sun Belt Championship, and as a senior, he won it by six strokes. He would go on to lead Jacksonville University to two Sun Belt Conference Championships. He was a charter member of the Jacksonville University Sports Hall of Fame. Donnie earned his tour card by being a medalist at the 1982 PGA Tour Qualifying Tournament at TPC Sawgrass, winning that event by a record 14 strokes. Played on the PGA Tour from 1983 to 1998. He won twice on the regular tour at the 1986 Bob Hope Chrysler Classic and the 1989 Texas Open, where he came within one stroke of the all-time scoring record, having shot rounds of 65, 64, 65, 64 at Oak Hill. He went once on the, what was then the Buy.com Tour, which is now the Web.com Tour at the 2000 Lincoln Classic. And over the course of Donnie's career, he's had 46 top 10 finishes. He's made the cut 70% of the time that he's teed it up, and I'm honored to have him back with me again here tonight on Next on the Tee. Hey, Donnie, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, thank you, Chris. The fifth time, huh? Five times. How about that? Well, that's cool. Indeed <laughs> it is. So, Donnie, catch us up. What's been going on with you this summer? Oh, I started playing pretty good the last uh, two or three weeks. I've been doing the qualifiers on the champion score, and I just missed the last two events in playoffs, both in playoffs. Uh, Wisconsin shot uh, three under. 
and missed in a three-for-one playoff. Tommy Tolls got the spot. And then last week, I just missed in Minnesota. Uh, it was three-for-two spots, and I go and bogey the first hole for the second time that day. I bogeyed at the first hole in regulation and then bogeyed the playoff and just kind of let the guys get in the tournament and said, here you go. So that was a little disappointing, but I played pretty good. I shot 67 and uh, had a good round, but just uh, getting close. So maybe I'll get in one. Uh, got another one coming up this Tuesday up in uh, up in the old where the BC Open used to be up in Binghamton. So feeling pretty good, starting to hit it pretty good. So might get lucky next week, hopefully. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, we're pulling hard for you. So is that is that the goal to kind of get you, you know get back out on the on the Champions Tour on a regular basis? Well, I think I may do the tour school again, maybe one more year this year. You know, it starts toward the end of um, November, and then it's a two-stage qualifier for the Champions Tour. So I may give it one more go this year if I'm still playing good in a in another four weeks or so. We'll see. But it feels pretty good right now. Yeah, that's great news. So, uh, Donnie, I wanted to get your thoughts on what we saw a couple of weeks ago at the Open Championship from Jordan Spieth. There, there were some pretty big lows and, and highs for him over the course of that final round. We all know we started the day with a three-stroke lead, goes out bogey three, the first four holes, sort of giving that all away. When when we get to 13 and he hits perhaps you know the worst drive of his professional career, for you as a guy who's been in that arena, how do you how do you go from where he was? off the 13th tee to holding the Claret Jug just a little while later. How do you reverse it like that? I tell you, there's been very few guys that can, you know, that can go through a shot like that and be in a situation that perilous. You know, it's just so awkward that you have to, you know, you have to take a drop, then you have to figure out where you're going to go. Now you're, you know, 230 yards away from the green. You can't even see the green because of the hill. There's thousands of people around you. You've just hit a terrible tee shot. And to be able to regroup like he did, uh, it's just not a lot of players, I don't think, that would be able to do that. Uh, you know, the thing that was so impressive was that he never had a look that he was going to lose that tournament. It was just, okay, where am I going to drop it? What's the line? Where are we going to hit it? And then, then he made that seven-footer for bogey. Uh, you know, it could have been a two-shot swing there, but that was – you know, he just never had that look like I've given it away yet. And a lot of guys would have would have felt like they were beaten at that point, but he, he just hung in there and that's that's kind of the player he he's become at such a young age and it's uh it was really remarkable to watch. I, I've really enjoyed watching that tournament. And and Donnie, I thought it was a genius move just to have the presence of mind to ask if the driving range was in play. Is 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 that unheard of? I mean, I I I, that, I don't know that that would have crossed. Certainly wouldn't have crossed my mind. Is that something that you know tour players? You know, do you know that sort of stuff going in? What's inbounds? What's out of bounds? What where my relief can come from and that sort of thing? Or was that something that you know wouldn't have occurred? Wouldn't would not have occurred to most guys to even ask yeah, that question? Yeah, I don't question? think I don't think. He, he probably didn't know that. He, he, you know, there probably wasn't something on the, you know, the local rules. You get a sheet every week that, that have the rules, but, you know, that was a situation where he had to go back on the line from where he took the drop straight back. So, I mean, he would have had to hit that a hundred yards to the right to have the ball end up there. So there probably wasn't a, uh, a situation on the, on the local rules that mentioned the driving range. So he had to ask at the time and, um, you know, he had the wherewithal to be able to, to come up with that and go backwards. That's a lot of times the best thing to do when you take unplayable is go back. And sometimes you may have to go back 60 or 80 yards, uh, to be able to maybe clear a tree or shrubs or, you know, any number of things that are in your way. And, you know, he made the right call. He got it up in front of the green and was able to salvage a great bogey. So that was, that was pretty cool. So, you know, in your opinion, Donnie, that you mentioned the seven footer that he makes for bogey there on 13. Was that the stroke? Was that if that putt doesn't go in, does that, is that does that probably cost him the golf tournament at that point? Was that a, you know, a, 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 an emotional lift, if you will, if you can get an emotional lift out of a bogey? Was that one? Was that a time that that happens? Yeah, I bet, it, I, I bet it was because, you know, you remember the next shot, he almost hold it from the par three. So. Uh, you make double there. Maybe you don't quite hit that shot as close as he did. 
and pick up an easy birdie on the next hole. So uh, it's hard to tell whether he would have been able to pull it together if he made double there. So, but that was, that was a huge putt just to only lose one shot there. Where do you think that stretch of holes for him, that 14 through 17, the, the birdie ego, birdie, birdie run, you know, where, you know, where do you think that ranks in the history of golf? Because for me, it's, it's gotta be right up there with, with Jack Nicholas's run at the 86 Masters. Jack was better because of, of who he is and where he was at that stage of his career in the setting there at Augusta National. And you were right in the middle of all of that, oh, by the way. But for a finishing stretch of holes in a major championship, where, where does what Jordan did rank? I think it ranks right up, you know, at the top because of the adversity that he faced during the round. You know, a lot of guys have shot, you know, great rounds the last round, like Jack did at the Masters there, the 86. But that was just momentum all the way through the round. You know, it's hard to think of a situation where someone makes a double on like 13 or 14 and then is able to birdie the last three or four holes. Maybe Charles Schwartzel at the Masters that year, I think he birdied the last four holes uh, right. to win that tournament. But that was an excellent finish uh, to to come right up and, and, and steal that tournament, really, with four birdies. But it's hard to think of uh, a situation where someone's made a double or triple and then, you know, birdie or play five under the next five holes like Jordan did. That was that was incredible turnaround. The uh, the 92 Open Championship in Muirfield uh, was your best finish in, a, in an Open. You ended up tied for fifth. You had a great second round. You shot 65 in the second round. Faldo won that year, holding off John Cook by a stroke. But it was sort of similar to what we saw. Faldo had a four-stroke lead going into the final round, gave it all away, actually fell behind, I believe, by that two was. strokes with four holes to play. So That's you, you, were kind of, you, you were in the middle of that. What do you remember about that Open Championship? I remember that John Cook was poised to win that tournament. I was trying to hang in there. I was, I had a, I had, I'd say I had a chance with nine holes to go. I thought maybe I needed to shoot a couple under, two or three under on the back. It was playing fairly tough too. The, the wind was kind of swirling a little bit. There was a decent wind out there, but Nick got behind and John Cook was, had hit the 17th green in two and ended up missing about a, maybe a three footer. I think would have, at the time would have given him a two or three stroke lead. And then within, I think three minutes of John missing that putt, Nick Faldo hits a five iron about two feet from the hole and birdies, I think 14 or 15. And then, then it was like a one stroke difference. I think Cook was still up. And then, you know, Nick just hung in there and made another birdie. I think he birdied 17. I was standing right behind the green on 18 to watch uh, the finish because I wanted to see how this thing was going to finish. And Nick drove it right down the middle of the fairway. And I think he hit three iron, hit this towering three iron that hit pretty close to the hole and then rolled just to the back of the green about 30 feet. And he, you know, rolled it down there about a foot and tapped it in to win. And he had to par that um, that 18th hole to win the tournament. It was it was just a great par because there were two fairway bunkers there that uh, kind of pretty close to the to the edge of the fairway. You had to drive it pretty straight on 18. Hit two great shots and just uh, won the tournament. It was pretty pretty impressive. And Donnie, you played in in several PGA championships, tied for 11th and 86 at Inverness, and you were actually tied for fourth after after three rounds. That's the year Bob Tway chipped in from the bunker and and beat Greg Norman, who had a four stroke lead going into the final round, but shot 76 and lost by two. But what do you remember about that PGA? Oh, the PGA at Inverness, right? That was uh, I played with Payne Stewart the last day. And it was a it was a great little course. I stayed with a friend up there in Toledo. It was a it was a beautiful little golf course too. Really well conditioned, and uh, I really liked that golf course. But Payne had it in that front right bunker on 18 there, and hold the shot for birdie. He got into the I think he finished top 10 with that shot, and then we were in there you know, just kind of getting cleaned up. We were getting ready to fly somewhere else. I think we were on the same flight, but uh, we're sitting there watching uh, Bob Tway's got the same shot and Payne yells out, that's an easy shot. You can make that one. 
And then 30 seconds later, he holds it out and it goes in and we're just looking at each other like, wow, what a finish. But that was, that was one of those tournaments that, um, you know, real disappointment for Greg that, um, you know, one of the three or four tournaments that had to be a real letdown for him that he was so close and, and wasn't, wasn't able to win, you know, one of the big ones again. Right. So, Donnie, as we look ahead to this week's PGA Championships or Championship, have you had a chance? Have you ever played out of Quail Hollow? Yeah, I played there a couple of years when it was in Wachovia. Great, great course, beautiful clubhouse. Uh, you know, Johnny's fantastic. The president of the club, just a such a great place to be for the week, and it's a it's a really good layout too. I haven't really noticed too many of the changes that uh, Mr. Fazio made, but. I understand that the course is in fantastic shape this week, so players can look forward to that. When you look at, you know, the field, Rory has won there twice. He's also lost in a playoff there once to Ricky Fowler, finished tied for fourth in last year's event. Does, does having a level of success, Donnie, do you, do you, do you go in with a psychological edge over the rest of the field when you've had, you know, as, as much success on a golf course as Rory's had over, had there over the last several years? Yeah, I, I would say absolutely. I think, um, Quail Hollow is the kind of golf course set up for, you know, big hitters like Rory, like Dustin Johnson, like, like about 70% of the tour these days, actually, you know, the Brooks Kepka, uh, guys that can bomb it out there, carry a few of the fairway bunkers. Um, you know, the, the pros that have had success there, like Ricky Fowler, uh, Rory, Phil Mickelson's had a lot of good rounds there. This could be a kind of a interesting week. If Phil gets off to a good start, I wouldn't count him out on that golf course. He's had some great tournaments over the years and, uh, you never know what Phil's going to do. So, but the, you know, like, like Jordan was talking about, you know, Rory's might be the favorite and, uh, that would be a pretty good pick. He's seems to be coming into pretty good form right now and, and he's hitting it really solid with the driver and he's got a great history there. So if he gets off to a decent start, I think he'll be there toward the end of the tournament. And we know that, you know, Rory has just gone through a, a, a change with his caddy. How much, how much does that impact, you know, a player out on tour, Donnie? When, if you had to change, you know, caddies or, you know, guys you played with have changed caddies, how much of a disruption to a, a normal round, a normalcy going into a golf tournament does that kind of shake up? Uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes it's a benefit for guys to get, you know, a little fresh, uh, you know, a little fresh, you know, change of perspective and, you know, you start, maybe you start thinking a little more for yourself than relying on your caddy, you know, to kind of help you pull the club. And, you know, players know how far they hit it. They know what they want to do with the putts. And sometimes, you know, that can help. So I don't think it would be a negative um, part of the game for Rory to come in with a, with a new caddy. I know a lot of times if you have a caddy that you're, you know, you feel like you, he's just hanging in there, that he's only got maybe a few weeks on the bag. Usually you don't play that great those last couple of weeks until you let him go. So uh, it could be, a, could be a good thing for Rory to um, have a fresh perspective here for the next couple of weeks. Donnie, when you look at the four majors, where, where does the PGA fit? You know, if you were to rank the four majors, I think, you know, we as fans – you know, we look at, you know, the history of the Masters and the mystique around that, and, and we think very highly of it. The U.S. Open is obviously our country's national championship. The Open Championship being, you know, the oldest and, you know, where the game was, you know, originated from. And then there's the PGA. Do you guys look at it, you know, in any ranked order? Does does the PGA come in fourth just because of, you know, the, the nostalgia and the championships that the others represent? Yeah, I think it's I think it's a solid fourth. Uh, Chris, it's right there. It's the fourth one of the year, and it's kind of hard to go up against the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the Open. Um, but, you know, it's the, it's the one that's the most similar to PGA Tour events, the setups, too, because the scores are a little lower. Uh, a lot of times the courses are, you know, courses that we've played regular PGA Tour events on, like Riviera or this course, um, 
you know, Whistling Straits would be one that we didn't really play tour events on. But, you know, half the time it's on golf courses that the guys know a little bit. So it is, it is a lot like uh, a tour event in that respect. And, you know, the setups are pretty fair with the PGA. So the, the scores are going to be lower. And I think it brings more pros into the mix uh, during, during the week of the PGA. And it looks like they're gonna they're gonna move the PGA, you know, to May in 2019 when it's played up at Beth Page Black, and the Players Championship's gonna move get moved earlier into March. So they seem to be doing it so the PGA Tour can end its season by Labor Day and doesn't have the you know the uh, the shadow of college football on Saturdays and the NFL on Sundays, you know, later in the year. Do you think that's the right thing right thing to do? Is that the right thing for the PGA Tour to do? Yeah, to I those think, around? think it is. I think it is. I don't think you're going to see guys wearing as many shorts in May up in New York, though, next year for the <laughs> tournament. Uh, they may have short rain shorts on, but it's going to be some different weather. You know, we've played some tournaments up north in May that, you know, you you have to go get some new wardrobe at night. You know, you got to get fleece and different things because you weren't prepared for, you know, what you come up against there. So it's it could be some... You know, it could be beautiful weather, but then they may, you know, catch some days that are in, you know, 50s or maybe maybe even really chilly mornings. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think it's a good move over, overall to to bring the tournaments closer together. I think most of the pros' reactions so far have been pretty positive. And Donnie, one of, one of our, our new good friends here on the show is actor turned, uh, turned host of the Talking Golf Getaways podcast, Mitchell Lawrence. And he said he's played some rounds of golf with you. First of all, wanted me to say hello to you for him. But do you remember playing, oh, yeah. uh, playing a couple of rounds yeah. of golf with Mitchell? Yeah, Mitch is one of the, he was the most, one of the most entertaining guys I ever played with. He was a blast to play with. Um, really funny and, you know, great entertainer. Uh, yeah, I remember Mitch well. That's great. He's going to be on your yeah. show a lot, huh? Yeah, Mitch is. You know, Mitch came on a couple of weeks ago, and uh, you know, his brother Matthew has been on uh, a few times, and we got Matt coming on the show here in a, again in a couple of weeks. But yeah, Mitchell will be joining us again. He's fantastic. Both the Mitchell or both the Lawrence brothers are fantastic. I, I, I think the world of both of those guys, and they've both become great friends. So Mitchell asked me to be sure to pass along his hello to you. Donnie, one more before we let you go. And, you know, one of the other things that you and I have in common is our affection for NASA and space exploration. We got a, a lunar eclipse coming up here in a few weeks. You having a viewing party? What are you doing on the 21st? Well, my daughter's got me. If I don't make that qualifier, we're going to try to go up towards South Carolina. I think it's going to be right near Charleston. So we're going to, yeah, we're going to try to hit that. Uh it's going to be, it's not hard for me to tell which way I'm going to be coming from the north or from the south, but we're, we're, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to that. Should be pretty cool. I don't have the glasses yet, though. I guess it should be pretty easy to pick those up somewhere, but, uh, yeah, we're going to, we're going to hit that. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting event. Uh, yeah, right up, you know, here in Atlanta. So it's not far to get to Charleston either. So yeah, it's going to be a, an interesting event. I'm looking forward to it as well. Donnie, before we let you go, remind our listeners how they can stay up to date with uh, the, the you know the great things you're doing. Follow you out on tour, follow you online, follow you on social media. Yeah, mostly Twitter, just at Donnie Hammond, D O N N I E, and yeah, I do a little golf stuff, but um, that's probably a good thing. Just send me a note, wish me well. Maybe I'll post something up if I make it this week on Tuesday. I'll, I'll take a picture of the leaderboard and say no playoff. All right. <laughs> Please Hopefully do. No I hope you will put week. it out there because yeah. you know I'm certainly going to be following you and when you're rooting hard for you. So we hope you make it. Thank you. Yeah, I got to get in one of those weeks. See how I match up these days with those guys. They can still play though. Those guys are tough no out there. No doubt. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for your time tonight. It's always a great time having you as part of the show. I hope you'll come back and, and share your insights and your stories, and hopefully you've got a couple of really good ones from uh, some strong finishes out on the Champion Store here real soon. <laughs> that sounds great, Chris. Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you so much. All right. Take care, Donnie. All the best to you and your family. Thank you. All righty. Bye. 
That is Donnie Hammond, and, and folks, you know, I, I, you know, a more enjoyable conversation you cannot find in getting to spend some time with Donnie Hammond, and you know, the great events that he has been a part of over the course of you know his career, and then uh, you know, certainly rooting very hard for him, you know, to uh, to get back on the top of, tops of leaderboards, uh, you know, out there on the Champions Tour, and hopefully get get some more stories and some more insights from him. But you look back over his career and. You know, he was right there, uh, you know, a lot of times, right, in some major championships going into into the fourth round. And we've talked several times about, you know, his being in the in the next to last group at the 86 Masters, a couple of groups behind uh, Jack Nicholas and Sandy Lyle when Jack went on his run. So, you know, Donnie was there then. And like I say, he's got, you know, several top 20s, top 10s, top 5s and some of the majors. So uh, he's got a, a wonderful history in the game. And then now getting back, hopefully healthy again and, and uh, feeling good and uh, out on the champions tour. So rooting very hard for Donnie Hammond. All right, folks, before we close up shop, I want to give a shout out to our friends at the Bradley Putter Company. From concept last year on Black Friday to one of the sensations at the PGA Merchandise Show back in January, you know, it's uh, it's a wonderful ride that they have been on, and their putters are fantastic. I got mine, and it's a beauty. You know, we're proud to be partnering with them and promote the unique line of putters that they have, and they're made from burl wood, folks, and these just, these aren't just ornamental putters. People are raving about the look and the feel of the Bradley Putter and they'll customize it based on the shape and the colors that you like. Mine's in black and yellow to support my Pittsburgh teams. Go online to bradleyputters.com to see how fantastic this new line of putters really is. I also want to remind you about our friends over at Par Bar. Energy and focus on the course is essential whether you're playing you know, on tour, in your club championship, or just a weekend four ball with your buddies. Par Bar, the golfer's nutritional bar, can help you with both of those things. Eat a little bit before you get to the first tee and then eat a little bit of the rest over every three holes until you finish it and you're going to play with more energy and more focus. Parbar was developed by a lifelong golfer and food scientist to help all golfers play their best. Go to parbargolf.com to order yours today. And we also like to close up shop every week by giving you a reminder about our friend and PGA Tour Pro Jim Estes and the great folks over at the Salute Military Golf Association. Let's hear a word from Jim about the great things they're doing. The Salute Military Golf Association was created to provide rehabilitative golf experiences to the brave men and women who have been wounded while serving our country. Hi, I'm Jim Estes, PGA Golf Pro and co-founder of the Salute Military Golf Association. With my adaptive golf program, we've successfully helped thousands of soldiers in their recovery, both mentally and physically. The SMGA has been providing family-inclusive golf experiences across the country since 2007. To date, the SMGA has equipped more than 1,000 warriors with properly fitted golf clubs and has extended its clinic series to more than eight chapter and affiliate locations across the U.S. If you are a wounded veteran interested in participating or if you'd like to learn more about the Salute Military Golf Association and find a chapter closest to you, visit our website at smga.org. We've seen firsthand how impactful golf can be in aiding one's recovery. The Salute Military Golf Association, empowering wounded veterans one fairway at a time. Visit smga.org. That's smga.org. If you're looking for a great place for your annual golf outing, a weekend golf getaway, or just a round of golf with your buddy, then Salt Creek Golf Retreat is just what you're looking for. Centrally located in Nashville, Indiana, just south of Indianapolis and west of Cincinnati, this challenging but fair 18-hole golf course appeals to all skill levels, and its scenic views of rolling hills and tree-lined fairways are sure to make golfing memories for years to come. Owned and operated by former Purdue and New York Giants fullback Randy Manier, Salt Creek Golf Retreat offers stay-and-play packages that include golf and a fully furnished one- or two-bedroom condo. After your round, be sure to stop by the 19th Hole Sports Bar and Restaurant for great food, fun, and drinks. Randy and his staff will treat you like family. For more information, log on to saltcreekgolf.com. That's saltcreekgolf.com. Or give them a call at 812-558-5944. Salt Creek Golf Retreat. Start making your golfing memories today.
All right, folks, it's time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks again to Scott Lamon and Donnie Hammond for joining me today. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page, Next on the Team with Chris Mascaro on Facebook, and share your feedback with us. Plus, if you've got a question for one of our future guests, let me know. I'll be glad to get it on the show for you. You can go online to our website, nextonthetea.net, to see who some of our future guests are going to be. Please also check out our sister show, Thursday Night Tailgate, with me and my co-host, Bob Lazari. That show airs live every Thursday from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Blog Talk Radio, and that show, like this one, is also available as a free podcast over on TuneIn.com and Podbean as well. On Thursday Night Tailgate, we're joined every week by five NFL legends sharing their stories about their playing days and their insights into what's going on around the NFL today. We also highlight two players doing great things in their communities in our Spotlight on the Positive segment. So you can find us both shows online again, this one, next on the T.net and ThursdayNightTailgate.com. And from both of those sites, you can also stream or download any of our archive episodes completely for free and keep up to date with who some of our future guests are going to be as well. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show today. We know you got thousands of podcasts out there that uh, you can listen to. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the Team one of them. Until next week, my friends, hit them straight. Next on the tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros and top instructors, and media members go to tell their stories. Join us same time every Saturday to hear more stories about the game we love from the people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the great game of golf.